When Helen died, I lost everything. Until that dog appeared on my doorstep. A final gift from my wife. In that moment, I received some semblance of hope. An opportunity to grieve unalone. And your son took that from me. Stole that from me. Killed that from me. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. So you can either hand over your son, or you can die screaming die! alongside him. <laughs> oh, that? that, I didn't know which quote you were going to choose, but that's actually the perfect one, I feel like. I mean, that was great. There's some great speeches in this movie. I would also argue that your deliverance of those lines is better than Keanu Reeves' <laughs> delivery of those lines. That is not true, but thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Geneva. And I'm Tatum. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us, to tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking, as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. Back another week. Tatum, what have you been watching recently? Um, I have not been watching too much. I was telling Geneva before we got uh before we started recording that I've actually been spending a lot of time writing. Uh I've been reading and writing. I bought some new poetry books that have been really fun to read. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's one thing I watched this week, which me and my cousins, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this on previous podcast episodes, but me and two of my cousins, we've been getting together to, um, you know, drink some lovely alcohol and watch, rewatch the Twilight uh, Saga movies. And so we got together this A past wonderful week. wonderful female in- pastime. Cannot recommend oh, yes. it enough. <laughs> um, so we rewatched not part Eclipse. Of this, to be clear, I just endorse, endorse it. Oh, yes. Um... So yeah, we rewatched Eclipse and it uh, was terrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 not a good movie. Uh, the messaging is incredibly toxic. Uh, the insecurities that we see from Edward, they are on full steam here. Uh, it's like you've proposed to her, but apparently her saying yes is not enough. You need to freak out and be possessive at every turn uh, oh because you're super insecure about this relationship, which is like not a good thing. And then, you know, Jacob swoops in and tries to do his thing because he's imprinted on a part of her body that they don't know exists yet. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's wild. Make it sound it's, like he, impr- he imprinted on like her pinky finger or something like that. I mean, he could have for all we know, we don't, you know, what, what part of DNA from Bella that goes into Renesme is what Jacob imprints on? We don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a fun watch. We had a good time, uh, but I, I won't be watching it again anytime soon. Uh, it's a bad movie. The messaging is awful. Uh, too much shirtlessness. I I just can't. I can't take it. A lot of inconsistencies in terms of like Edward's in the sun. He's not sparkling. Why? this doesn't make sense. Like just, you know, poor Charlie. That's that, that oh, will be my final Charlie. statement. Poor Charlie. Poor Char- Charlie does not deserve anything that he gets in those movies. Not that no. he has a lot to do, but 
it's he like, deserves so much better. It's like in the previous movie, Edward left Bella behind to go kill himself in Italy because he couldn't live without her. And Bella's depressed for like As months upon months and meets Jacob. And then all of a sudden, Edward comes back and she's head over heels all into him again. And I'm like, man, if I was freaking Charlie, I would like, he's a police officer. I would be like, I'm filing a restraining order. This is like not, this is not healthy. This is not yeah. good for my child. I'm um, moving my daughter to Boston. Like, yeah, like I'm here. very concerned. Um, I would ask her to go stay with her mom, but even she even goes to visit her mom in this movie. And Edward's like, I'm coming with you because oh my gosh. blah. And then her mom observes like, yeah, you guys are, you know, when you move, he moves. It's like magnets, you know? And then anyway, they come back and Bella realizes he, Edward's been lying to her. And he's like, but it was to protect you. And she's like, you lied to me. You can't. Pl-. It's really messed up. It's it it's it's bad. Uh, but we had a good time. So that's what I watched this week. Watched that's Eclipse good. and did a lot of reading and writing. <laughs> is this a good time to pitch my uh, spinoff show, which is Charlie oh, and uh, Carlisle Cullen just solving supernatural mysteries in works while Edward and Bella are off doing uh, whatever they want to do. Whatever it is they do. <laughs> whatever it is, as long as is- it's off screen. <laughs> Yeah, I also, Carlisle looks extremely unwell in Eclipse. I mean, everyone, all the vampires oh, yeah. pretty much look unwell after it's Twilight. Just the basic vampire look. But Carlisle, like, woof, he's looking rough in, uh, in, in Eclipse. But, you know, maybe he looks even worse in Breaking Dawn. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. But they made some yeah. wild skin and hair choices in these movies. <laughs> and <laughs> contact choices. It's all just very extreme. But yeah. anyway, what about you, Geneva? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually watched quite a few things recently. Um, so first, I watched a movie called The Trip to Greece. So this is the final in a four-movie series, which I've talked to Tatum about off-mic. I can't remember if we've actually talked about it on-mic at any point. Um, I don't think so. Okay, great. So this is a um a series that stars uh steve coogan and rob bryden who are both british comedians um steve coogan's had some success in the united states he was in a movie called philomena um he's been in some uh, i remember he was the the roman centurion in the united in the museum series um oh, gosh i forgot about that yeah remember that <laughs> um rob bryden is a little bit he's been in some u.s movies too although he's kind of more known in the uk um he's a television host and presenter as well as a comedian but anyway the four movies are basically semi uh fictionalized versions of them going on vacations and eating food in restaurants and just talking to each other visiting sites doing impressions at each other and nerding out over literature and history and um obscure british references from 70s movies and whatnot and so basically everything that Geneva hates. Everything that Geneva hates. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like um, we could easily, the two of us could easily film movies exactly like this. And um, it would be great. But anyway, no, this series is Our delightful. version of it would be us in Spain and because I live there and then us in Scotland because you live there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they actually did one in Spain. Anyway, yeah, these movies are delightful. I highly, highly recommend them if you have any interest in British humor they are very it's the style of humor is very very British it's very dry Um, there's a lot of 
kind of impressions and references. So it depends on your uh, tolerance for that as a form of humor. But the chemistry between the two of them is so good. Um, it is, as I said, fictionalized versions of the two of them. So they discuss their careers, although part of the the plots of these movies also involves things like uh, wives, girlfriends, uh, children, which are all fictional characters within the film. Um, but basically, it's the two of them kind of riffing on their respective careers and the su successes and failures that they've had and kind of grappling with the idea of growing older and the idea that your life is not quite turned out the way that you might want it to, or you feel like you have other things to achieve that you've not achieved, um, the question of legacy and how you'll be remembered after you're dead, and um, balancing work and friendships and things like that. And yeah, they're just very, they're very funny, but they're also have this sort of beautiful melancholy to them um, in the way that they think about what they've achieved and the lives of the writers and poets and um, people who visited these sites or um, before them. So they, in the, the first movie, they go to uh, the north of England. In the second movie, they go to Italy and they're kind of walking in the footsteps of Keats and Shelley and Byron and other um, famous literary characters who've gone to Italy. Um, they go to Spain in the next one and they talk a lot about Don Quixote and Cervantes. And in the last one, it's a lot about they're in Greece, and so they're talking a lot about um, mythological heroes, and you know, there's this sort of um, running theme in the the final one about uh, Steve Coogan finding out that his father is very sick and confronting the idea of a, a parent dying and the the existential questions that that raises. So anyway, all this is to say is that this is a really good series. Um, they there is a little bit they can be a little bit rep repetitive at times. The, they tend to run through very similar story beats, but I think what they bring out in each location, what they bring out in each other, especially watch following them as they age, um, so the, the series of movies takes place across about 10 years. I think it can be very profound in addition to just being very, very fun and very silly and entertaining at times. So yeah, The Trip to Greece. Um, the previous movies are called The Trip, the trip to Italy and the trip to Spain and I would recommend all of them so yeah so that's one thing I watched um second is I rewatched a Doris Day movie called Pillow Talk from 1959 and if you've never seen any Doris Day movies particular particularly around this like late 50s early 60s movie they're basically the type of kind of very colorful very stylized very silly sort of sex comedies, but also very chaste that inspired the movie Down With Love from the early 2000s. Uh, if you've never seen Down With Love, it's absolutely brilliant. And Pillow Talk is really great. I had forgotten how good it is and how, um, you know, how clever it is in its own right. There's definitely elements of it that are problematic that don't really hold up today, but it is it's very, very witty. There's so many jokes going on, so many double entendres and innuendos. There's a lot of visual comedy that's really interestingly done with split screens or voiceover. Um, it's Doris Day and Rock Hudson who are kind of doing this whole, you know, spar sparring battle of the sexist thing. Rock Hudson does this really exaggerated Texas accent for a lot of the movie, which is very funny. 
and Tony Randall is the best friend, and he's um, just delightful as he always is. So, yeah, Pillow Talk is a really, really fun time. It was a great, like, rainy Saturday afternoon watch for me. So, yeah, would recommend that as nice. well. Yeah, I have not seen that movie or any of the other ones that you, uh, what was the one from the 2000s that you said? Uh, the trip to Greece. No, oh, the, no, you're talking the... about the, oh, uh, sorry. Um, Down with Love is a parody gotcha. of the Doris Day style comedy gotcha. with uh, Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger. Highly, highly recommend that. Oh, That's I a like really both brilliant of them. movie. Yeah, 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 it's really good. So, yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, with that, why don't we move into talking about this week's movie, which is John Wick from 2014. John Wick. John, John Vick, Baba Yaga. John, <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Wick is directed by Chad Stahelski and David Leach. Uh, I think it's pronounced Leach. If not, I apologize. Um, it stars Keanu Reeves alongside an absolutely stellar cast, including Michael Nyquist, Alfie Allen, Ian McShane, Lance Reddick, John Leguizamo, William, Willem Dafoe, many other familiar faces. So the production of this movie is actually found very interesting. I kind of went down a big Wikipedia rabbit hole before we started recording. Uh, the writer of this movie, Derek Kolstad, wrote the screenplay on spec. He incorporated influences from many different genres, including westerns, film noir, and even some silent comedy, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, etc., the script was sent to Keanu Reeves, uh, who responded to the story's themes of grief and fury, revenge, and the strange kind of mythological assassin underworld that it set was set in. So Reeves worked with Kolstad to rewrite the film to more closely fit his own acting style. And he sent the script on. <sighs> I'm See, sorry, that is a funny note. Tatum and I are going to have some disagreements about Keanu Reeves, and oh, we'll gosh. talk about it. Keanu Reeves uh, doesn't have writing credits on this, though. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I doubt that he his uh, contributions were would have fit the the WGA's um, um, whatever standards they need in order for you to receive a writing credit. Uh, but yeah. so he sent the script on to Chad Stahelski and David Leach, who had been the stunt coordinators for the Matrix trilogy. So the three of them had known each other for a couple decades. Uh, he wanted to see if they were interested in helping choreograph the action sequences, but Stahelski and Leach instead pitched themselves as directors of the full movie, proposing a movie with innovative action scenes um, based off of their experience as their many years of experience as stunt coordinators, but also a throwback visual style that would be influenced by directors like Akira Kurosawa, John Woo, and Sergio Leone. Several of the actors in this film received months of training in advance in martial arts to prepare for their action scenes. Filming took place primarily in New York, but it was delayed by financial problems for a few weeks, which forced some scenes to be modified to reduce the budget. Keanu Reeves ended up using some of his own money to fund the project. What um, was the anyone... budget? Uh, I actually don't know. I should have noted that down. Let me give a quick check. Yeah, I'm not seeing it on here. I'm sure that it's published somewhere, but I don't want to go and Google it. I'm seeing 20 to 30 million. Okay. Yeah, with the, and it, uh, the budget was 20 to 30 million and it earned 86 million. So, okay. It's quite a profit. Yeah. 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 As we'll talk about, this movie was kind of a, a surprise hit. Um, there's a lot of really great word of mouth that ended up, it ended up doing much better than anyone thought it would. 
so the story, for anyone who's not seen John Wick, the story centers on John Wick, a legendary hitman who has retired from the business to live peacefully with his beloved wife, Helen. At the beginning of the movie, Helen dies of an unspecified illness, but before she does, she arranges for John to receive a puppy to help him through his grief. However, Yosef, the son of a Russian gangster, breaks into John's house to steal his uh, car and ends up killing the puppy. This sends John on a blood-soaked journey back into the world that he'd left behind, strange and stylized criminal underworld where he reconnects with old allies while going up against the full power of Yosef's father, Vigo. So, Tatum, I know you've seen this movie before. Um, yes. How did you first encounter it, and what were your thoughts on this rewatch? How did I first encounter it? I think... Did you see it when it first came out, or did you no. encounter it? Because no, I didn't it encounter definitely... it until around the second movie. Yeah, it was years later. I think I just rented it from the library or something, because everyone was raving about it um so I will start off by saying I am not the audience for this movie um I I don't know what it is about this because there are action movies that I do love um the Matrix films uh particularly the first one uh it's one of my favorite movies of all time um I'm not one to dislike action movies uh but this one it's just, I'm not the audience for it. Um, so I will just say that right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this movie's fine. Uh, I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it has some moments that are super cool and really hyped. Like, oh man, I'm hyped for what's coming next. Um, and I will say, so I've only seen this one and the fourth one. I like this one a lot more than the fourth one because this one actually has some semblance of a story to it. Whereas I feel like the fourth one is like, let's just run around with guns for no reason. Um, which <laughs> people fair, can argue that. The and second that's fine. Or, or third. So, um, yeah, set up. I, I have no plans to watch the second or the third. <laughs> uh, but I like this one more than the fourth. I, I didn't remember it very much um, from the first time that I watched it. So, I was surprised at, at how much, how much I related to, not related to, but like connected with the motivation that's established in the beginning of the movie, um, and how I think that carried through pretty strongly uh, to the end. Um, but I think this movie kind of it 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 overstays its welcome. Um, I was very much so sick of it by like the last twenty minutes. I was like. I, if I have to watch another fight sequence, I might blow my brains out. Um, because oh, no. I was just like, this is, this is just so much action that it gets to a point where like, it's not really cool anymore because I've been watching nothing but action for an hour and a half. And like, I just, so anyway, I, you know, this movie's fine. There's parts of it that I really like. Like I said, I liked the beginning a lot. Um, I forgot Willem Dafoe was in this, which is crazy. Um, and I, and I really liked the establishment of John Wick as a character in terms of like, oh, you don't even know who you've messed with. You don't even know, like, what, what does this mean that he's the boogeyman? No, he's the guy that we send to kill the boogeyman. You know, like I, I thought that the early establishment of his character, of his character motivations, of this whole underground world was great. Um, I think there's some really clever, funny moments in this film of like him, knowing the police officer and like knowing this other guy who's staying in the hotel. And it's like, Oh, (laughs) Hey John, 
hi, Harry. You know, like th- there were some funny moments that I genuinely loved. Um, and there were some ac- uh, action sequences that I thought were really cool. Um, I think Keanu Reeves's acting performance was not entirely lackluster in this movie like it was in the fourth one. <laughs> I think in the fourth one, it's just I, a joke. Just, All yeah. he says is, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. In this one, he actually has full sentences, which is nice. Um, <laughs> and he he delivers them, for the most part, pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I like there's parts of this movie that I really like. But at the end of the day, like I'm very clearly not the audience for this film. Um, it, it overstays its welcome for me. The action can only entertain me for so long. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's fine. But I know you love it. I know that you absolutely yeah. love these movies. So um, I'm excited to like dive into it more and, and and hear more of your thoughts because I know that you love these movies or this movie in particular. I'll just talk about this one. Mm-hmm. I know you love this movie, but I don't really know if I know why you love this movie so much. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, I know. I feel like we're, we're kind of in a reversal of, of last week's episode where one person <laughs> loves the movie and others like, it's fine. It's not for me. I can recognize yeah. there are good things about it, but you know, it's fine. Yeah. This and movie is okay. not for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love this movie and I love this franchise. I'm a big John Wick fan. Um, I, I love all of the movies. I think I mean, this one to me is the most perfect object because it is the most complete and self-contained. I think even if they didn't make sequels, this movie just really exists in as this, you know, perfect object. But I'm glad that they did make sequels because I've enjoyed all of them. Um, And if they want to make more, I don't know how they would, but I will watch. They're already in the works for John Wick 5. It's already, they're they're working on it. It's in pre-production. I heard that. I have no idea how they're going to do that but all right I'll, I'll be seated you know we'll, we'll see how it is <laughs> um yeah I it's actually I don't really know what it is that I connect with so much about these movies I think for me I mean to begin with I am just a huge Keanu Reeves fan which Tatum and I have talked a little bit about Tatum is not a Keanu Reeves Reeves fan she's nope I, you don't like dislike him it's just that you don't really because obviously you love some of his movies. You love The Matrix, but you just mm-hmm. kind of love them in spite of him. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I think I haven't seen, I will say, I will clarify. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that many Keanu Reeves movies. So I can't really speak to his entire filmography, but I do like, you know, the movies that I have seen, I do like a fair amount of them. I think he's an incredible person. I really like him as a person. I just don't think he can act. I, You know, I think he... He does what he does and he does it fine, but it's very bland and just flat and uninteresting yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I think one of the reasons it works so well in the matrix is like Neo doesn't have to be this huge like personality, he, mm-hmm. you know, he, cause he, it's almost it like a, a robot him. world almost. And he's this chosen one. It's kind of like, Oh, what does that mean? You know, he doesn't really have these, emotional I mean I guess he does well it works for him to be a bit of a blank because of the bigness of everything that's going on around him yeah so yeah I don't know just when I see him outside of that world it feels a little bit less like like he doesn't fit into these other movies whereas I feel like in the matrix his acting style really fits into his role there Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, by, by contrast, I'm a huge <laughs> Keanu Reeves fan, as I mentioned. Um, I actually, this movie is kind of special to me in the sense that this, coupled with um, watching the second Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, very close to each other, actually kicked off me going on a really deep dive of Keanu Reeves' filmography several years ago. This was around the time that uh, John Wick 2 came out. So I think I had heard really good things about that one, went back and watched this first one, loved it, watched Bogus Journey, watched the second John Wick, and then was kind of off to the races. So I've seen probably like 85 to 90% of Keanu Reeves's quite extensive filmography. Can um, we both agree that his mm-hmm. best role is in Always Be My Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> By far his best role and his best performance. Oh, I, I don't love know. That I don't know about so that, much. but it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> if no one knows what we're talking about, Hi, you don't yes. if you're not interested in watching the movie Always Be My Maybe, that's fine. Watch the sequences with <laughs> I mean, go watch. If you like rom-coms, go watch that movie. It's a very charming rom-com. But if you don't like rom-coms, at least go on YouTube and watch a, watch Keanu Reeves' scenes because they are oh, it's so the good. best part of that movie. So yeah. good. He's so good. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I, I just, I find him very compelling as a performer. I certainly see the arguments, which, you know, you're not alone in making. Many people have argued over the years that he is a very wooden actor uh he's very particular delivery that i does certainly is not how any other human in the universe speaks i would not call it a naturalized delivery he's definitely not a chameleon as a performer but i think he's an amazing movie star i think there's something incredibly compelling about him um i think he's i would agree with those who say that his strengths really lie in his physicality he's a very physical actor in the way that he moves his body and the way that he can just in my opinion keep you compelled um just you know there's just some sort of natural charisma that keeps you wanting to watch him and keeps you empathizing with him even when he is a character who is a bit scummy or a bit um distant and removed I think there's just something very compelling about him on screen um yeah going down his filmography was really fascinating because I got to watch some of his early indies uh, prior to Bill and Ted, which he's very good in. I I definitely recommend River's Edge. And um, Tatum, have you ever seen My Own Private Idaho with River Phoenix? Not that I can recall, no. Yeah, that's a really, really incredible movie. Um, Kind of a classic of 90s gay cinema. And River Phoenix just gives this incredible performance in it. and Keanu Reeves playing playing his sort of best friend um, object of his affection is very, very, um, very good in it as well. Um, he's just, he's had such a long career and so many twists and turns, you know, so many ups and downs. And, um, he, you know, he's such a staple of action movie cinema. I mean, he, you know, point break onward. He's just had so many great action movies that I really love. So... It's just fascinating to see all of these different things coming together in this movie. I think he's really found a way to figure out what works about his persona and find a very particular way to channel his own sort of stoic, wooden, um, but also slightly kind of humorous persona um, and put that on screen. I think it just the character of John Wick works so well for what makes him compelling. So 
Yeah. And I just, I love the style of these movies so much. I love the way that the action is shot. I'm a huge advocate for, you know, if you're going to have a movie that relies heavily on choreography, whether that's dance choreography or action choreography, shoot it, give give long shots and allow us to see what's going on and train your your performers so that they can actually be performing these things without a million cuts to compensate for their weaknesses. And these movies are shot by stunt coordinators who have been working at, on choreo- choreographing action for decades, and they really know what they're doing. And these movies look amazing. They hire uh, cinematographers and lighting professionals who give absolutely make these things look absolutely gorgeous and so yeah it really does such a great job of creating this alternate world and balancing a tone that I think is very difficult to achieve where it is it is somehow so serious all the time and everyone is so invested and in it and you know there's all these sort of like I said before kind of mythological um, in the way that it depicts this other world. You know, there, it's not quite realistic. It's kind of epic in its scale. And yet it's also very funny. Like, these movies are really funny at times. And um, I do think they do such a good job of balancing that tone. So yeah, I love the John Wick franchise. Don't know why exactly, but they just appeal to me <laughs> on so many levels of the, the sort of cinema that I'm interested in. I really love stylized cinema. Um, I really love the feeling of movies that really just transport you to this completely alternate world and explore these, you know, really deep emotional issues, even if they're going to, I mean, these movies, like, they have this really strong emotional core, but they're also very silly. And I love silly movies that are not afraid to be silly so yeah all all that is to say is i love this movie so much (laughs) yeah i i'm happy for you (laughs) (laughs) thank you yeah um yeah um so any thoughts i guess to start with since i mentioned kind of the style of these movies and i think that's one of the things that has been so um so remarkable about about the John Wick franchise and this movie in particular is they really did change the way that action movies are shot and have are styled there are so many John Wick fran- sort of rip-off visual rip-offs that have come out within the last uh five ten years and I don't say that in a particularly demeaning way although some of these movies are not very good but it is nice to see these movies that are coming out that are you know, following these trends of relying less on CGI and more on what your performers and your stunt performers are capable of doing and are really dedicated to creating action sequences that are more fluid and more dynamic and more, um, I guess, visually engaging than your old, you know, let's just cut it to ribbon so that we can't tell that your actor doesn't know how to throw a punch kind of a thing. So Tatum, any thoughts on the style of these movies, either the way the action is filmed or the the cinematography or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it's pretty undeniable that the cinematography in these films, it, it's very strong. Um, I would argue that it's the best aspect of these movies, but that's my own personal opinion. Um again, going back to the beginning of the movie where we're kind of really being introduced to John Wick as a character. I love how 
you know, we get these shots from behind and we just see his shoulders and he looks like this intimidating person. And then we're seeing like we're hammering the floor with a sledgehammer and the colors are dark blue. And then we're cutting back and forth to this guy sitting in front of a fire and it's yellow. Like I, I think, yeah, I just think that it to me, it seems very clear that each that all of the shots are, are very thought through. Um, whether that's where the actors are standing or whether it's the lighting or whether it's how the camera moves. I feel like it's, it's very clear that they didn't just walk into a room and, and say action, you know? Um, and I really appreciate how much care they've put into it. I, I like the color palettes. I do think sometimes it is a little bit, um, it, it does take me out of the film a little bit sometimes because I don't remember the specific moment when this happened, but it was somewhere towards the beginning where, John Wick was somewhere and it was like blue and then in almost like nighttime. And then I think mm-hmm. he got in a car or something and it was so yellow that it looked like it was daytime. And I was like, whoa, that's a really drastic change that just kind of doesn't make sense to me. Cause I think a lot of times it does make sense. But in that particular moment, I was like, that was an odd choice. Like that just took me out of the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think they look great. Uh, I'm, I think I'm a lot less impressed with these movies than like other people are, and not to keep going back and forth between this movie and the fourth movie, but there were some particular shots in the fourth movie that people were freaking out about. This is the coolest thing ever, and I was like, okay, all right, this is really long. Like, can we just, I, okay, um, but yeah, I mean, that being said, I am, I do really appreciate it. I think this movie looks great. Um, and I think it sounds great too. I think the soundtracks and, and the music that they choose is, is it's a very good hype movie. It like, you know, it gets you feeling good, gets you excited. It's just, I can only stay hyped for so long. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I, I get the style. I get what they're going for and I think that they accomplish it and they accomplish it like very well. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, something that occurred to me as I was rewatching is I feel like many of the action sequences in the sequences in this movie, particularly those that take place indoors, have this very distinct lighting scheme for each one, and you can kind of tell which one is which by the colors that are chosen and the the textures and the quality of the light. So like the the scene in the warehouse where John is tied up and he's having that confrontation with Vigo and then um Vigo tries to have him killed, but he manages to escape with the help of Marcus. There's this um, very harsh kind of yellow-orange light that contrasts with everything else being kind of green and gray. Um, And then it just looks so visually distinct from the sequence in the Red Circle Club, which to me is the highlight of the film. If if I have one criticism to make about the film, um, which I could make about a lot of action movies, it's just that the best sequence in the movie is about halfway through and the the final sequence is a bit mm. anticlimactic after that. But the red mm. circle fight scene is just, oh my goodness, absolutely incredible filmmaking in my opinion. I don't even know it, what you mean when you say that. What's the red circle? Which one is that one? It's the um, the the nightclub where Yosef is hiding out. And so first it's the, the sequence starts in the bathhouse. Oh, where he comes oh, in, yeah, 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 and the, okay. the there's this really incredible 
sort of weird ethereal song that's playing and as Mm -hmm. John Wake is sneaking through and killing off the guards he's almost doing it to the beat of the song like it's Mm -hmm. the way that it's choreographed with the music you're so right the the sound of this movie is incredible and then it moves upstairs to the nightclub where this EDM is playing and the lighting is Mm -hmm. similar but different John Wick yeah just every every John Wick movie has to have a scene set in a some sort of a concert or nightclub or something like that and him falling and and him he's falling just like, over a balcony and he should yeah. be paralyzed, but he's not for some oh, reason. Oh, yeah. Many, many su- such times. But yeah, every movie has some sort of dance uh, action sequence set in a concert or a nightclub where people are just getting shot in the face and everyone else seems to un- like notice what's I will going say, on, which is great. People did pick up on it earlier in this movie. Because like when mm-hmm. I watched the fourth one, I was like, these people would not still be dancing. It's been like eight minutes. <laughs> Whereas this one, they realized it, I felt like in a more realistic timeline, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just the magic of these movies is like this, there's something about this world where anyone who is, I guess, not in the assassin world is somehow struck blind and deaf yeah. to what is going yeah. on. And I just love it so much because it really does create this sort of, you know, fantasy land where this assassin world exists alongside the real world and yet they don't quite intersect and it's very weird and very mysterious and very cool um (laughs) so (laughs) yeah man i just i love the red circle club fight so much um can i there's so many different levels going on so many different locations that they're getting into sorry go ahead no, no, that's okay. Um, you made me think of this when you were talking about like the the bathhouse sequence or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just, I had to make mention of this. Uh, I don't know if the listeners know this. I feel like maybe I've hinted at it. I don't know. Um, but I am a huge fan of A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, the book series, and subsequently the Game of Thrones TV show. Um, and, you know, I have my own feelings about how the show ended. We're not going to go into that right now. But... <laughs> Alfie Allen, uh, first of all, I love Alfie Allen. I think he's a very, a very compelling actor, and I would like to see him in more roles as time goes on. Um, but I was watching this movie, and I was like, this is basically the Theon Greyjoy of the John <laughs> Wick universe. Like, yes, it's he, Theon Greyjoy if he this, was raised by a Russian gangster instead of yeah, like he's the Starks. This, he's this playboy young guy who just Such wants to be with naked women all the time and thinks he's hot shit, but like he's he's actually Completely like a coward, useless. dweeby person mm-hmm. and his dad disowns him because he's like, you weak Blah, blah, blah. he's like no but father I want to I want to like earn your love and your respect you know it just I was watching it and I was like man Alfie Allen like he definitely was typecast into this role um <laughs> because it's the same thing it's just in the mm-hmm. John Wick universe um but I was already kind of thinking about that seeing his relationship with his dad previous but then when he was in the bathhouse I was like yeah this is uh <laughs> definitely the this honest. is the ungrade <laughs> I also found it to be quite funny that because like you said you know these this movie can like it is genuinely funny at certain moments mm-hmm. and um I don't know if this was intended to be funny but to me it was that like he's being chased through this club and the whole time he's just got this bath towel on that is not (laughs) falling off for some reason. I'm like, that should have fallen off a long time ago, but it's really hanging on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just thought that was funny, him being chased through this nightclub wearing a bath towel. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, it's so good. 
Yeah, it's so good. I mean, just uh, I, I I mentioned before that this cast is stellar, but the casting throughout this entire series is just absolutely incredible. You could tell it's just, you know, who who's every actor that we love and has some relationship to martial arts and that we can throw into this movie together and give them a chance to let loose. But yeah, yeah, this movie in particular, just such an international cast too. I mean, Michael Nyqvist, who's the plays Vigo, the villain, I believe he's a Swedish, was a Swedish actor, um, and he's wonderful. Um, but you have Alfie Allen, you've got Ian McShane, you've got Lance Reddick, um, John Leguizamo who has like two scenes and is hilarious. Willem Dafoe is just this sort of pillar of integrity. Um, Adrian Pilecki, who... Um, is um i mean i love her as uh, tyra and friday night lights which i'm currently watching and she's great here as this just tough as nails like no respect for anyone else just gonna do what i can to get ahead character um yeah it's amazing i you mentioning willem dafoe i will say and this is this is picking nits and this is very much so i understand my own personal issue if it doesn't bother other people that's totally fine I I just get annoyed with how often John Wick uses these like deus ex machina moments where it's like, oh, John Wick is really in it now. And then, but no, Willem Dafoe has a sniper rifle because for me, it just kind of decreases the stakes because I know that I'm just like, why would we bother putting him in a situation where we're going to act like it's the end of the line when we all know that Willem Dafoe is going to take care of it. I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of putting people into situations where we're making it seem like they're done for. And then, oh, never mind, something happened and now they're free. I, I don't know. Deus Ex Machina is just like bother me as a, as a thing. Um, and I guess you could argue that this isn't necessarily that because it's not like, oh, it came out of nowhere and makes no sense why it happened because it does make sense why it happens. But it happens often enough that I'm like, okay, how long are we going to go into the, into the Willem Dafoe thing of him just having to like step in and, and yeah, save John I, Wick? I, I would disagree that it's a deus ex machina because it is part of the story. You know, it's part of the, the subplot of this particular character and his relationship to John Wick. I remember the first time I watched it, I didn't actually catch or maybe, maybe it was just a little bit, um, I didn't realize right away that Willem Dafoe was actually trying to help John the entire time. I was, I guess I was fooled by the misdirection. Oh. Um, yeah, I totally thought that he was actually genuinely going to take John out. And um, I think the the first time, so I think the first time that he, he so he shoots twice to save John. And I think the yep. first time I didn't catch that that's what he was doing. I thought he was just missed um, of course, oh, second time watching, I realized that he was intentionally shooting to to wake John up so that John could deal with Miss Perkins. Um, right. So at a, at a certain point, I caught on to what was going on between them. But it was kind of a reveal to me of like, oh, which side is Willem Dafoe going to be on? Oh, he, he was on John Wick's side the entire time. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I will say I did like, I did appreciate the payoffs. I don't know if payoffs is the right phrase, but... There were certain stakes that were established at the beginning of the movie that I was nervous wouldn't be tied up by the end because, again, I Mm -hmm. barely remembered what happened in this movie because I watched a long time ago. But I was – because I remember I was watching the movie and as it got closer to the end, I was like, wait, what? 
Willem Dafoe is just going to get off Scott, like Scott free, even though nope. he agreed. <laughs> it's extremely important and, that he does not get off Scott free. Yeah. And also the same thing with, um, with Miss Perkins. I was like, okay, she, she clearly really wants to kill, uh, John Wick. And now all of a sudden she's just going to be like, nope, never mind. Like no stakes, whatever. You know, I, I, what, what is it? Like I performed business on hotel grounds or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, why would they establish this as a thing? But then she also gets off scot-free, but they actually followed through on those things at the end. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I appreciate that because everything in me was saying they set this up and they're not going to follow through on it. And I was really frustrated. And then they followed through on it. And I was like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and especially and considering how important the continental rules become in later movies. You know, it's it's very helpful yeah. for setting out the stakes of what it means if you do break those rules. And I'm assuming that the death of Willem Dafoe's character probably leads into what John Wick does in John Wick 2. That's just my assumption. I haven't seen John Wick 2, but like him being like, you killed my friend first, blah, blah, blah. Now you killed my friend and I can't get out and because revenge and blah. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the death of Willem Dafoe directly leads to the the end of the movie because John Wick is basically ready to walk away and say, you know, I killed Yosef, I finished everything that I meant to finish, but Vigo just has to call him and say, you killed my son, now I've killed your friend. You know, your friend betrayed me, he's now been slowly murdered. And that's what incites John to then go after Vigo and leads to that final confrontation. So yeah, Marcus's death is very important to what happens. I would say that Marcus killed himself more than Vigo killed him because Marcus signed a deal and he didn't follow through on it. So I don't see it being something where Vigo, I mean, you know, I, I see the angle of like, oh, you killed my son. Now I killed Marcus, but it didn't really come across as that to me, it was more so like, it's a coincidence that you killed my son because I, that's not my motivation for killing him. I'm just killing him because he didn't follow through on this deal that we signed. It's a, you know, it, it felt kind of unrelated to me. Um, it was just a coincidence, but yeah. So I'm almost like Marcus would have died anyway because he broke the rule, but I, I don't well, know. That's just well, my own yeah, personal opinion. In protecting John, Marcus knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that that was right, going to yeah. anger Vigo. And he exactly. did it anyway because John, he cares about John. And then Vigo, you know, chooses to exact the revenge on Marcus for betraying him, which is not surprising. But he also calls John and specifically tells him, which I think in that moment is what leads John to do what he ends up doing which is going after Vigo and destroying him yeah yeah I mean I I see that for sure and and I I get that that's the line that they're trying to draw it's just in my mind it's like this is the name of the game like you signed a contract and then you didn't fall through on it so you're dead yeah you well, know, there's I'm, this. yeah I mean that's yeah that's but obviously I, John Wick like I feel like a theme with John Wick is friendship and he's like oh friendship mm-hmm. um yeah but that was yeah. literally my review for John Wick 4 on Letterboxd. It was <laughs> friendship, man. <laughs> you know, he's got a yeah. thing for friendship, which is great. Yeah, well, that's so much the emotional core that I love about these movies is that it is about these sort of um, these core human emotions of love and friendship and loyalty to one another coming into conflict with these sort of baser, you know, this 
criminal world where it's all about honor and revenge and, you know, you signed this deal or you you step back into the world and therefore you must pay the consequences. And um, I mean, so much, one thing that I just love throughout this movie and throughout the series as a whole is just every moment where John runs into an old friend and they all greet him where they're like, John, like, you know, mm-hmm. you're such a great guy, you know, where have you been? Oh, it's so good. Are, are you back? You know, like there's so many just people visiting who really just seem to <laughs> there's so many people in this movie who like really seem to have been genuinely friends with John and really care about him and that he seems to care about. And it's so fascinatingly at odd with how cold blooded he is in actually doing his job. You know, the fact that he there's that one bodyguard uh francis that he goes up to and he's like why don't you take a night off and francis is like okay thanks and it's just like Mm -hmm. why is there this one person that he has agreed to spare because he has this prior relationship with it's just it adds so much it makes his backstory so much more fascinating and mysterious um the fact that he has these layers (laughs) i love that you see layers because i don't i'm like I, I think I think it just has to do with the fact that his acting performance does nothing for me. I'm like, there's nothing more to this character. Like I I I literally just see John Wick as like just like an action figure. He's just a person that's good at guns and like that's it. <laughs> like I, I, I don't I don't see I don't see anything else to him. I, I do think he is quite charming in this movie in the sense Mm -hmm. that you know some of these things that we're talking about in terms of like him killing someone in the hallway and harry steps out and is like john (laughs) he's like harry Harry. (laughs) or or like him talking with the with the desk clerk of like we're getting some noise from your some noise Mm -hmm. complaints sorry i had an unexpected guest or you know the moment with the cop where the cop sees the body but he's like have a good evening john you know i i you uh you know i think again (laughs) yeah just sorting some stuff out so funny yeah it's like he he has these moments where he is kind of charming and funny but at the end of the day he's just such a i i don't see him as anything other than i'm a guy Mm -hmm. with a gun and i'm good with gun don't threaten me because i kill you with gun and i think because of that that's why these movies are just not something that I return to because I'm like, yeah, the action is fun, but the action is only entertaining for so long when there's nothing else that's keeping me watching this movie because I don't Mm -hmm. care about anything else because I don't connect with anything else. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, I'm not the audience for this movie and that's fine. Yeah. You you don't connect with Keanu Reeves's performance the way I do. Yeah. I, I don't, and that's the thing that just like baffles me. I don't understand how people connect with his performances because they're so not like, I just don't get it. I'm like, this, this does nothing for me, but some people it works. Like maybe, maybe it's similar to, um, I feel like people compare these actors a lot, although maybe we shouldn't do that because they're very different people and who do very Mm -hmm. different things. But I know some people absolutely hate Nicolas Cage and I'm like, I think Nicolas Cage is a fascinating actor. Does he yell a lot? Yes. Does he do? <laughs> does he make really weird choices sometimes that come across as really wacky and kind of insane? 
Yes, but also I'm here for it and I love you, Nicholas. <laughs> are all of your movies great? No, but your performances mm-hmm. I think are fascinating. Um so maybe it's a similar type of thing. I don't know. Just like sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. And if you don't get it because it's such a particular acting style, mm-hmm. it's like you can't get around it if you don't get it, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, their their acting styles are very different, but there is that sort of divisive quality to them where some people are able to enter into what they are doing and some people just aren't. It's very cilantro, I guess, you know, mm, some people mm-hmm. can stand it, that flavor, and some people just can't. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It just fascinates me that people can like Keanu Reeves acting. I'm like, I don't see it at all, but a lot of people love him. So I respect that. Yeah. Um, let me see. I was just, uh, as I was going through this movie again, I was like, there's so much, I, I feel like I don't appreciate the script enough. Like I, I appreciate the script in the sense, uh, in the past, in the sense that as I said before, it creates this really interesting world that get, then gets built out in future installments. The future installments really go hard on the the lore and all the arcane rituals and traditions of this um, underworld. Um, but I think this script is actually very, just in terms of the, the plot, I think it's very well constructed. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting themes going on again these movies are essentially kind of silly but they are also about these universal themes of grief and loss and revenge and redemption and paying for your sins and things like that um the script draws this very explicit line that i found interesting on this rewatch between john and vigo as these two characters who are both essentially paying for the horrible things that they have done in the past. I had forgotten that an explicit part of John Wick's backstory is that Vigo is the person who allowed him to get out. Vigo is the person who made it possible for that to happen. And so John basically went on some sort of unspecified massacre and murdered many, many people. But in arranging him getting out, Vigo also laid the foundation for the successful crime business that he has today. And so everything that Vigo has is founded on the person of John Wick and all of the horrible things that John Wick does. So therefore, when it's this cool kind of circular uh, Vigo's son killing John Wick's dog, (laughs) killing his hope, basically, and bringing him back into the game is coming full circle and is directly John Wick's sins coming back to bite him. But also John Wick in coming back then is the sort of founding sin of everything that Vigo has coming back to bite him and, you know, taking his firstborn in this very sort of Old Testament way, um, which is very interesting. Also his car. Also his car. <laughs> Can't forget yeah. his car. I, I love the little moment. Do when, you have um, any idea whose car you stole? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, John Wick's car. The One of the funniest line deliveries in this movie is when John Leguizano is like, you know, Vigo calls him. He's like, why'd you hit my son? John Leguizano is like, well, um, he, uh, he stole John Wick's car, sir, and killed his dog. And Vigo's like, oh, <laughs> just hangs up. <laughs> it's so oh. good. Yep. Yeah. I also love, uh, I think it happens once, maybe twice, where Vigo calls John Wick and John just like doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so like many moments. Silence. 
Yeah. So many moments where people will say something to John and his answer is just silence. Like this is, yeah. this is my response. Or, yeah. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> I, that's right. One thing that the Wikipedia page said, um, going back to your giggling at the idea of rewriting the movie to match uh, Keanu Reeves's acting style, is that um, mm-hmm. the scene when he goes into the church and burns down Vigo's vault, which is his yes. stash, which is very much like... You know, he's just completely putting Vigo's whole organization up in flames. He's taking absolutely everything from him. Um, Is that originally the scene between him, the conversation between him and the priest was this like five paragraph long conversation between the two of them. And they just reduced it down to the priest saying one thing and John Wick going, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I mean, I feel like we, I feel like we don't need that five paragraph. Yeah, no, exactly. We don't. I don't think we need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that you need is on the screen. Like I, I wrote that moment down because I thought it was so great where the priest is like, the priest says, like uh, John Wick is trying to get him to let him into the vault. And the priest said, Vigo is going to kill me if I do this. And what John John Wick's response is, he turns around, he shoots one of the bad guys, and then he turns back and points the gun uh-huh. at him and goes, uh-huh. And it's just yep. like, yep, I know. Yep. And I don't care. And you're still going to have to do this. And the I don't know why like, the priest oh. opened it, though, because he knew he was going to die anyway. So it's like, die now or die 10 minutes later. Like, what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, it's, but you know, it's like... Maybe it's like, if I'm going to die, that- I'm going to take down the man who's going to kill me type of thing. Yeah, like, sure. you know, go down swinging. Mm-hmm. The guys I mean, they didn't right torture in- him. They just took him out in front and gave him a quick death. So, you know, yeah. it could have been a lot worse. I mean, John Wick is right in front of you. He's got all these horrible legends attached to him. Like, would you rather take your chances against maybe I can escape Vigo, who is not here, versus this guy who's directly in front of me and also who knows what kind of torture he might resort to? Yeah. Yeah. John Wick doesn't seem like a torturer to me. No. Does he torture um, people in two or three? He doesn't strike me as a torturer. Not that I recall, unless there is some particular... Like, he might... He does personalize a little bit the way that he kills people depending on circumstances but also like I feel like if there's someone who it's convenient and he has some particular reason for wanting them to be killed in a more gruesome way he might do it but he's not a, I feel like, like even with Alfie Allen in this movie who like took hope from him and killed blah blah, mm-hmm. blah like he's he still is just so... kind of he just shoots him in the head mm-hmm. and it's like eh, whatever it's so <laughs> anticlimactic in a way that is so cool yeah I mean, he'll he'll so, torture like, people he a little bit to, like, to torture anybody. I feel like it would be Alfie Allen because he took like the mm-hmm. last hope that he had left. Yeah. And he's like, nah, you're not worth my time. Yeah, yeah. No, the the most he does is in this movie. Like, if he's trying to get information out of you, he'll you know he'll put you in pain until you give right. him information. Um, yeah, like that guy in the the bathhouse where then he's like, this is for the fact that you took my car and you killed my dog, and he like kills him in a pretty pretty brutal way. But um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. What do you mean? John Wick is literally about killing people for like an hour and a half. I don't think it's pretty uh pretty odd to yeah, talk about death. Yeah, not too outside death. the um the the bounds. But um yeah, any I feel thoughts? like I feel like oh, you are maybe are are you a little bit more hesitant to like acknowledge when you're into violence? Because this movie is very violent, and I think that's part of the reason. I feel like that's part of the reason why you like it. But it, it, 
Whereas I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, violence, like, you're a little bit more like, um, why are we talking about this so much? I'm like, because this movie is straight up violence and that's part mm-hmm. of why you like it. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't know. I like the stylism about it. I like the fact that it is very unreal. If it was more realistic, I would probably like this movie a lot less. But because mm-hmm. it is so stylized, there is that able ability to kind of de- disconnect from it a little bit and be like able to appreciate the aestheticism of it in a way which sounds kind of terrible so maybe it's when I pry and I'm like let's talk mm-hmm. about the actual violence and not just the vibe of the violence mm-hmm. that you're like wait why are we talking about this? <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's probably it yeah just sort of anyway like torture I'm not you know I don't want to watch torture but like the beautiful I don't want to watch torture either <laughs> yeah no who does like but the beautifully choreographed kind of you know al- almost dance like choreography of this thing I just I love it you know the precision yeah. of it yeah I think also for me I I guns are just not my thing like yeah because we were talking about this with with aliens too not that mm-hmm. I dislike the guns but you know I'm just, I'm way more of like a swords and bow and arrow and crossbow mm-hmm. type of person. I'm like, give me that all day freaking long. Like I am here for it. Whereas with guns, I feel like it's a lot. I'm not, I, for whatever reason, I'm just not into it as much. It feels, mm-hmm. I was going to say it feels a lot less personal. That sounds awful. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's just a lot. I, I don't well, know what it is. But One of the things I think I really appreciate about this movie too and this will sound terrible (laughs) it's just that it makes the how many people he kills (laughs) no like it finds a way to choreograph the style so that it's very visually dynamic in a way that gun like action movies that rely on guns typically are not Hmm. like it it makes it it gives it the sort of visual excitement of like a movie that is about a duel or something like that, where it's a lot about the characters' movements and within a three-dimensional space rather than just two people kind of hiding behind something and or like you know two people doing some sort of shootout where they're, it's very static. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like the, it's just this is no, a that very makes sense. it's yeah this is a very particular sort of fighting style that was kind of created for this movie because it is very incorporated uh, into martial arts moves. I would disagree. I that 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 what is one thing that I do disagree with you on a little bit because it sounds like and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to put mm-hmm. words in your mouth, but it sounds like you see these movies as being almost a revolution in terms of how we shoot action and, and how it's choreographed and how it's interpreted through cinema. Mm-hmm. And for me, I watch this movie and I'm like, the matrix did it better. I'm like the matrix did this, what 20, well, this movie came out in 2014. So the matrix did this like 10, 15 years before. And like, it's the same Granted, it was using I, older like film technology, yeah. but it was the same concept of like, let's take martial arts and interpret that into action with guns, which I do love guns mm-hmm. in The Matrix. I think they're freaking <laughs> like sick and they look awesome. But mm-hmm. I think like for me, these movies don't feel entirely unique in terms of the action. I mean, they feel unique in the sense that lots of other action movies that come out today don't look like this. 
but they don't feel unique in the sense that action like this never existed before these movies because I feel like the matrix mm-hmm. did it first but that's just my sure. own personal opinion. yeah I mean I, I don't think the matrix is doing quite the same thing but there there is a lot of continuity there I mean obviously the same guys were involved with it as are involved mm-hmm. in John Wick um, I don't think it's dis- including Keanu Reeves. <laughs> well, yeah, and obviously Chad Stahelski and David Leach were both stunt coordinators on the Matrix. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's disputable that this movie influence had a huge influence on the way that action movies are shot from 2014 on. I think it, so. That I guess that's just kind of the po- the point that I was making. Yeah, yeah, and and I I would agree with that for sure. Um, it just. Yeah, and, and again, like, I don't want yeah. to put words and in like, mouth, so you like, know, yeah. This movie and The Matrix are all also drawing on similar influences from, mm-hmm. you know, Hong Kong totally. action cinema and westerns and, you know, things of the past, too. So, yeah, there there is a lot of similarities there, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I love The Matrix, but yeah, I'm not going to Matrix is Matrix great. Anymore. We should do The Matrix. We should do an episode on The Matrix. It's... It's one of my favorite movies of all time, so it's on my list to talk about at some point. Um, yeah, I I love that movie. I absolutely adore that film. It's one of the best movies ever made. But um, yeah, it's anyway an incredible movie. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on just what I was to to go back to what I was um, saying before? My observations about the script and specifically the ways that it shows um, create similarities between John and Vigo and this theme of kind of the the past coming back to haunt you and you know the things that created uh, created the life that you have eventually you'll have to pay the consequences for them yeah I mean I do have thoughts I don't know if you'll necessarily like them uh, <laughs> that's fine <laughs> but I think I think that this is given the way that we've talked about movies like this or like our mission impossible conversation, it seems like you are a lot more intrigued by the concept of, you know, kind of the, the, the emotional toll that it takes on these like action heroes to kill all of these people and Mm -hmm. trying to get out. And I, for me watching John wick, first of all, not connecting with the characters just as a thing, but also, the whole concept of, oh, I was this person and I'm trying to get out and I'm getting sucked back in. And I've seen that a million times before. I've seen it in the Mission Impossible movies, every single one of them. I've seen it in Taken. I've seen it, like I have seen this story so many times that I do honestly feel like this movie does not add anything new to that type of narrative. And so for me, like, given that I don't connect with Keanu Reeves acting as this character and also given that his particular arc is something that I've seen before that doesn't feel very unique to me. Um, like I, I don't think the writing of this movie is bad, at least this one, uh, because there is, yeah, I don't think the writing in, in this particular movie is bad. I just don't think it's doing anything different or particularly special that like really engages me in such a way that I'm even analyzing the relationships between the characters or like why, you know, I think it is well established, like why people are doing what they're doing. It's just not, it's not doing anything for me that makes me like 
really interested in breaking it down or thinking about like, oh, John Wick, how can he sleep at night? Or how is Vigo, you know, what is it like to be this mob? And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what you're thinking about, but for me, it's very much so kind of just a surface level of like, this is what's happening and this is how the game works. And again, like John Wick, good with gun. John Wick, kill people with gun. So I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just not, I, I, this movie just doesn't, it's cool to watch and it's entertaining, but it doesn't do anything new for me other than the visuals. I think the visuals Mm. are great, but aside from that, I'm like, what's new here? I don't really think anything is new here. (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a good point. Well taken. I mean, the, Obviously, the archetype of the action hero who has been out of the game for a long time and is pulled back in for one last mission or, you know, he he's, he is too old for this and yet the world needs him once more, that sort of thing. That's, you know, that's a very established trope within action movies. I think for me, what really works in this movie is... A, because I, I do really connect with the Keanu Reeves performance and with the performances of all the other actors around him. It, mm-hmm. it really does strike in a, it, a sort of emotional truth, emotional resonance for me. But also, I think it finds really interesting, unique, original ways to tell this story through the 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 unique world that it sets up and through i mean i've i've used the world mythological several times already but there you know I, I was reading there there are academic papers that have been written on this idea of john wick as sort of a, a hero of epic myth you know of like comparing him to you know the labors of hercules you know under undertaking these um these massive tasks or um sort of a, a Sisyphus, you know, throughout this entire series, he's constantly trying to achieve something and yet he keeps roll, trying to roll that boulder down the hill and yet it keeps rolling back and he has to keep on going. And um, so just kind of connecting it to Is that unique to, these... to John Wick, though? What? Is that unique to John Wick, though? I feel like you could write the same sort of con, like, lore or whatever it is for Ethan Hunt or I, I does that yeah feel, I mean that that definitely it doesn't feel unique to, Ethan to John Hunt Wick as well. to me yeah it's that it's that I that idea of a what allows us to connect to this character is when it connects to these larger archetypes that exist within human consciousness that exist within sort of the common storytelling lore that humans pull from and I think John Wick does that in a really great way that is also you know it's it's at once pulling from um you know ideas and story tropes from our past but it's also reinterpreting them in this really interesting unique way through this cool setting through the the um tone that it strikes through the visual um storytelling that is um something that is was kind of new to action movies at that time and yeah so I think that's why it's it's taking old tropes and reinterpreting them in new ways and that's something that I really love about it mm-hmm. yeah yeah um one other thing that I so I saw someone uh, I don't know a, a tweet or something recently I 
cannot give sources, but just offhandedly mention <laughs> the idea that the the John Wick movies are all kind of about the stages of grief. Um, and I would need to rewatch three through four and see whether that actually <laughs> lines up with the stages of grief uh, off the top of my head. So I was like, I don't know about that. But actually rewatching this one. So the first stage of grief is denial. And actually rewatching this movie, I was struck by how often it is about John Wick denying what is happening. How often people say to him, oh, you're back or are you back? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not back. No, I'm not back. I'm just visiting. I'm not back. You know, it just it happens so often throughout this movie. And it is there is very much this idea of him kind of making these intentional choices to dip back into this pool, but also and fully knowing what the consequences will be, but just being in so much denial about the idea that, oh, I can just kind of be an assassin again, you know, just so I can like accomplish my own personal business. But then I can just step back and like retreat to the the world that I had before and it'll be fine. And I think he knows underneath all of this that that's not actually what's going to happen. I think there's a self-destructive part of him that's like wants this to happen or, you know, just so he can feel something. But yeah, I think there is a case to be made that one of the themes of this movie is denial uh, in the stage of grief. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Um, no, I, the one thing that just came to my mind was, isn't there a line in this movie where he does say like, yeah, I'm back or something. Isn't yeah, there like I a mean, moment when he says that? Mm-hmm. Is it at the yeah. end or does it come earlier than that? It's a little earlier than the end, but it is the, okay. very much the emotional climax of now he has finally okay. admitted it. Yeah. Because that's, that's gotcha. the speech that I gave at the very beginning of the, right. Our Th- that's what I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think yeah. it happens there. Yeah, I think, I think that, and please, like, tell me I'm wrong if this is me, like, minimizing. Okay, so I'm not trying to minimize your experience with John Wick just to this, to this thing, because obviously you love this movie for lots of other reasons, and absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm seeing ties to this, like, certain theme of connecting to this character of John Wick or I'm sorry to keep making this reference but it's just what keeps coming to my mind like Ethan Hunt or whatever because you seem to really connect with them and this idea of like oh I want to be a different person but I can't because it keeps pulling me uh, but like mm-hmm. I have to deal with the consequences of my actions but like I'm in denial <laughs> there's blah, blah, a lo- yeah there's a lot of similarities and, between the two and I f- and I feel like you connect with this because I almost wonder if it's tapping into that niche for you of like a tortured man <laughs> who like needs help but won't go to therapy because he's in denial and like someone just needs to come in and crack that shell and mm-hmm. just let him like process his trauma and but he won't because he's tough and he's covering it all up <laughs> but he doesn't know but he's tortured but he can't get over it but he needs help. I wonder if it's tapping into that a little bit for you. I mean, it could be. Yeah, I won't deny it. I mean, I, I won't say that I look at John Wick and I'm like, I could fix him the way I choose no, some other. Right. <laughs> I'm more like, right, nah, no, he needs to work it all out and then like just keel over and die somewhere probably. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, I feel like keeled over died. He definitely, well, I, never mind. I'm not going to spoil things. Yeah, but. Anyway, yeah, I mean, you're not probably not wrong. There is something in it. I feel like maybe there's something there. Like Mm -hmm. there, there might be something there. You know? Yeah. Well, I I think I do. I do find something very compelling in characters that are kind of trapped in cycles, um, in which they 
are kind of their own worst enemy in certain ways and they're sort of weighed down by the weight of their sins the weight of the the choices that they have made and are kind of trying to find some way of escape or redemption and there's a sort of tragic aspect of can they truly be free like that's just a sort of common age-old story pattern that I do find very compelling Mm -hmm. yeah I I think that at its core like that is just a storyline that you find compelling that I don't as Mm -hmm. much yeah yeah what are um not because I mean, it's a bad storyline but just because for oh, me no, it's yeah. just not like something that particularly interests mm-hmm. me yeah different story patterns will appeal to different ones of us what would you say i you know i don't want to turn this into a matrix episode but in contrast <laughs> to this what would you say is like the core story pattern of the matrix that appeals to you more oh. is it more that sort of like reality unreality um you know finding the true world kind of a thing. Yeah, I think it's the concept of like everything you ever thought was real is a lie. Mm-hmm. And then when you learn that information, how do you still find purpose in life? And do you choose to like if you were given the option between living in a perfect utopia or living in the real world, that's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. which one would you choose and why I just think that that is a extremely compelling concept <laughs> and yeah. that movie does it in a way that is so like I, I mean we're going to talk about this movie at some point it's one yeah, of my favorite yeah, movies of all time yeah. so I'm not going to yeah. like get into it insanely right now but just that concept of like when you're given that option which one do you choose and why what does that say about you and like what does that say about the world mm-hmm. and the choices that other people make and I mean there yeah. yeah yeah I I will have lots of thoughts <laughs> when we have I feel like that episode might be like I feel like it's gonna be an over two hour episode because mm-hmm. that movie is not just a movie it also taps into like real life questions and existential questions and important like some of the most important questions that relate to the human experience and our human existence Whereas I'm like, I don't know if John Wick really taps into what's the purpose of human existence for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe it is for other people and that's fine. But for me, I'm like, yeah, I I wouldn't say that's (laughs) primarily what this movie is interested in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Other, I mean, you know, there is that element of, you know, what is it that keeps driving you when you feel like you have nothing left to go for you know throughout these films John Wick is basically just driven by it's like the I've saw someone else say this so this is not original to me but I have no idea where I saw this but it's this idea that because people keep coming for him that's what keeps him going if there was no Mm -hmm. one else who was against him he would probably just lay down and die but because there are so many people who are opposing him he really wants to fight in order to be free again basically and be able to live on his own terms that kind of applies more to the sequels though than to this movie um yeah the sequel is very much like yeah because john wick 2 is very much like now that you have dipped your toe back into coming in this person swoops in and is like well now you need to like i mean i'm gonna make you um pay off this debt that you have to me and you're going to have to do these jobs for me and so it's from then on it's him trying to now that he has come back in him trying to be free again 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's less this movie in particular. Anyway, um, yeah. one other thing that I was noticing while watching this, <laughs> rewatching this movie, is this kind of theme of young versus old in the sense of. Um, you know, John Wick is kind of part of this older guard of assassins who have these codes and these creeds that they live by. You know, the legend of John Wick is either he's known as a friend by people or he's feared as a sort of legend by people who were around when he was active. Whereas the younger characters like Yosef or like Miss Perkins, they kind of have no respect for John Wick or for things like the Continental Rules and they end up kind of paying the consequences for that. So I don't know. You know, this movie is kind of in that tradition. It, what it Certainly, like, when it came out, I think it was kind of seen as being part of that tradition of, like, a, you know, a taken of, like, here's an action star or, like, an, a star who's getting kind of older and we're just going to throw him in an action movie and it's going to be about how um, they're old, but they're still, they still got it. Like <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um. Which I think and they're not movies... in denial about the fact that they're aging, unlike mm, Tom yeah, Cruise, like it's so a... I'm pretty sure is in denial about yeah. it. <laughs> it's a major theme of the movie. Um, I don't think this movie is quite doing that, or it's you know, it's it's a little bit more complicated than that in this movie, but there is still that kind of you know the the older there is a sort of older set of rules and respect that you need to have that some of the younger people in this movie they don't seem to to get it. And they, and pay, they pay the, the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, was that something you noticed as well? I don't know if that stuck out to you at all. Um, I mean, now that you mention it, I, I see that for sure, but it wasn't something that I, that necessarily came to mind while I was watching the movie. Yeah. Um, should talk about the, the puppy. Um, are you, you're not, you're not a huge dog person in general, right? Am I, am I wrong in that? I'm, I'm not a pet person in general. In so. general, okay, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily like a turnoff to you the way I know that it's this movie is a turnoff to some people where they're like, if a dog dies, I cannot, I cannot handle it. You're not. Yeah, in that, that that's not. Uh, yeah, that that doesn't connect for me. Gotcha. Not that I want to watch animals die all the time. Like I, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm I'm anti people killing animals. Right. Certainly. Certainly. But that's not something where I'm like, oh, I can't watch the movie because an animal died. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I love about this movie, again, with it being kind of taking old tropes and doing a twist on it, I I think it's so kind of darkly funny in a way. The fact that they... That the dog dies? No. Oh, (laughs) it's like, what? (laughs) Sorry, I'm still still mid-thought. The fact that instead of doing the old trope of the villain killed my wife and therefore I'm going to... This revenge movie is based around the idea that I'm going to take revenge for my wife dying at the hands of this killer. Instead, it's my wife died of natural causes. Instead, it's the dog that the killer. You also keep forgetting about the car. The car is also the catalyst, I feel like. The car is also important. But the dog is, I think, kind of the car is the catalyst. But I think the dog is kind of the emotional driver of all of them. Yeah, I don't think intended. John would have John would not have gone as hard without the the death of the dog. Um but it's like this weird Yeah, he could have of, just gotten another car. <laughs> I mean he yeah, I mean he he definitely would have killed some people, but um I don't think he would have gone as hard as he had without the dog. Yeah. But I think it 
it says something about our like I, I feel like this movie is so perfectly calibrated with our culture where we're like wait why did he go on this tremendous like killing spree and like murder like you know 200 people in this movie oh they killed a puppy oh yeah okay that makes sense like we it well, this movie just it instantly puts us on john wick's side because of how cute this puppy was i don't think it's just because they killed a puppy i think it's because of what the puppy meant to him yes like, for I don't the think character it's just because they killed a dog it's because like yeah the dog no, for, meant a lot yeah for the character absolutely like that's what is driving john it's not specifically you know, it is his attachment to the dog, but larger it's because of his attachment to his wife and he's transferred right, so much yeah. of his grief onto this dog. And so when the dog dies, that causes him to snap. I'm just saying from a writing standpoint, I think in terms of getting the audience on the side of your hero, I think it's just such oh, okay. a smart <laughs> decision in a really sick way to mm-hmm. make it like the cutest puppy in existence and then when the Emotional dog dies manipulation. You're, like, mm-hmm. you're like yeah, yeah murder them all they all deserve to <laughs> burn it all down yeah I mean honestly maybe that's another reason why I don't connect with this movie but although I was gonna say the fourth one doesn't have that same thing and yeah I no other that, so. you know for anyone who's considering watching other movies and is sensitive to this no other animals no other dogs specifically are killed in any future installments. In the- <laughs> it's just this one. There are dogs in future installments, but they are not harmed. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that kind of, I'm trying to think if there's any other like major things I wanted to talk about, because that kind of concludes all the notes that I had really taken. I mean, as I said before, this is a very sort of dryly, darkly funny movie. <laughs> so there are mo- so many great moments. I mean, we kind of talked about it, but the policeman showing up at John's door and you for a second, you're like, oh no, John is screwed. There's a policeman here and now he's going to have to get out of this. But instead the policeman's just like, oh, you're have working again. All right. I'll leave you to it. <laughs> Yep. Um, so many just little great moments of mysterious lore that then get built out in the future installments. But, you know, Charlie, the oh, he calls up for a dinner reservation and Charlie, the cleaner and all his guys appear. And the fact that everything mm-hmm. is paid for in gold coins, which makes very little sense, but is very cool. Um, yeah, just just so many. So many little things um, throughout this movie. Everything about the Continental is awesome. Um, I did like that one. Um, it seemed like a like an industry term for people that are hit hitmen or hit people or whatever. Mm-hmm. When John says to to Harry in the I think his name's Harry in the hotel uh, yeah. hallway or whatever, he's like, "Catch him release, yeah, catch him release, catch him release." I like that phrase of like, out of context, I would have no idea what "catch him release" means, but within this universe, I get it because of what just happened. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that they talk about like the continental rules always being you can't conduct business on continental grounds. And it's just this euphemism that everyone understands what it means is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just I love the uh, I mean, just the costume design, you know, talking about the different la- layers of craft in this movie. They're so well done. The costume design is so good. How everyone is sort of wearing Everyone is so elegantly dressed at all times, even though it's probably not very practical for the actual stuff that they're doing. <laughs> well, it is all... once we learn that the suits have shields in them for yep, like yep. whatever later on. In number two, you discover... Which is such the... an odd choice. But... Yeah. In the, the sequel, in John Wick 2, you learn that they have invented a particular suit lining that is bulletproof. And so from then on, everyone just wears suits and somehow... <laughs> 
can escape bullets so as long as they like pull the suit over their face which is it's so silly it's so silly and i love it so much um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um sorry just like looking through my notes trying to see if there's anything else i love the um vigo's uh i guess it's like his lawyer or his second in command who's just this sort of big old the all-state coward guy. guy yeah who's just like he doesn't speak any russian so every time vigo starts saying something he's like english and then, of course he goes out like a you know like a chump as you yep. knew he would um oh yeah you see any other like just random um notes that you have or, or things from this movie or questions or anything like that not for my end nope yeah. All right. Well, um, so that pretty much wraps everything up that I had to say. So this movie, um, <clears throat> it was decently well reviewed. Metacritic has it at 68. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 86%. Um, critics particularly praised the performance of Keanu Reeves, much to Tatum's bafflement. Um, so he... Critics said that he, and I would agree with, that he did a great job in conveying depth and winning audience sympathy while still portraying this very highly physical, very emotionally reserved character. They also praised the direction, which moved away from the shaky editing and CGI-heavy style that had been common in action movies at the time, and reintroduced a clean, fluid style that relied heavily on long, smooth takes and highly choreographed fights. Um, so this movie was a surprise hit at the box office, as I mentioned. It garnered a lot of positive word of mouth. Ended up doing being financially much, much more successful than was expected. It wasn't one of the like top movies of the year or anything like that. But then subsequent movies have done even better. So I pulled a couple of um, reviews. Um, so this is from Chris Nashawati, Nashawati in Entertainment Weekly. He says, John Wick could easily have been another disposable Hollywood knuckle-dragger, but you get the sense that the filmmakers and their revitalized leading man were aiming for something a little daffier, smarter, and more elusive. They've taken a broken clock and lovingly restored it with Swiss timing and precision. So hmm. I think that does a good job of summing up again. I, I just I think this movie takes a lot of familiar elements but it there's so much thought and care put into the craft that it makes it something really special uh, and then i pulled a couple quotes from this review by bilga ibiri in vulture so he writes with any other actor in the role the relentless revenge flick john wick could have been just another version variation on the nisonian <laughs> man with special set of skills kills everybody genre but with an actor as ethereal and ageless as keanu reeves in the lead it becomes something else more abstract and mythic and later on, he adds, filmmakers have been aestheticizing violence for as long as movies have been around. And the idea of yet another action flick with hot music and cool images, however hot the music, however cool the images, may not strike many as cause for celebration. But John Wick commits to its defiant unreality, giving us a fantastical underworld of ritual, mythic figures, and color-coded spaces. So I thought that kind of summed up well what I like about this movie. Um, any thoughts yeah, on Yeah, I was going to say it. I was going to say it sounds like it that second one really uh, was in line with your sentiments about the movie. Yeah. Um, very, very brief tangent, but I find it mm -hmm. interesting. I, I wonder how much this actually is a thing, but Liam Neeson is a very talented actor. He's done a lot of really wonderful performances. 
I feel like he's going to be remembered for his role in Taken. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. I know. He's done so many other things, but I feel like he's just going to forever be known as the guy from Taken who has a particular (laughs) set of skills. Well, because he's like committed so hard to that genre kind of you know he he was just doing turning so many of them out and I think they were kind of personal reasons going on for why he was doing that too I feel like I also read of them he did so many of them well there's so many takens but then there's also what unstoppable and commuter yeah I don't know I I forget the names of his action movies but I feel like I also read a quote from him though I might be misquoting or misattributing this but where he said something like you know I've had my time like i put in my time doing like Oscar-y roles and now I just want to kind of have fun and like <laughs> you know if it makes him happy well, good for him if you want to see a really happy movie with no Oscar uh potential or goals at all watch Silence because that Ooh, movie is the yes. epitome of happiness and not going I'm just kidding it's literally the <laughs> well exact that's an oscar movie so kind of going we, back to where he was well before. that's what I was gonna say we will be discussing that on this podcast at some point Ooh, because that, that is, I know you haven't seen it and I've mm-hmm. been begging I've been for you to see to. it forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my, it's one of my top movies, but also one of the most, honestly, it is probably the most emotionally upsetting and depressing film I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not even kidding on it. Other than an elephant sitting still, that movie is freaking mm-hmm. like really depressing. But silence, man. It, yeah. yeah, we we I will talk about that at some point, probably sometime soon. But we need to we need to make sure it's in between two happy movies because <laughs> that okay. that movie is like freaking. I don't know if I'll even be able to make it through at the second point. <laughs> but you know, it's gonna be great. It it, know, it, it is an you. essential. It is an essential film that I think mm-hmm. everyone should watch. But so many people haven't seen it because they either don't know about it or it's too long or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but like a three-hour emotionally devastating period piece. Can't imagine why more people haven't seen that it. That makes you hate human beings, makes you hate life, <laughs> and hate God and hate everything. Oh, but lovely. Can't wait. And like crushes your hope for like anything good in this world. <laughs> but like in the and best Kate way possible. And wonders why I haven't watched it yet. Oh, Geneva, you, you're going to love I, it. I'm though. going to you, love it. Like, I know I am. You are going to absolutely love it. I think, I think it might be one of your favorite movies of all time when you watch it. But Ooh. I think you will never be able to watch it again. Oh, Th- that is my prediction. I think you will love it so much. It will change your life. But you will also never watch it ever oh. again. <laughs> Many such cases. Yes. All right. Anyway. All right. I said brief tangent. That wasn't a brief tangent, but you know, that's that's the way we roll on this. Yeah, podcast. you know. <laughs> we gotta get some Liam Neeson on this podcast anyway. Yeah. All right. Um, so final thoughts. I mean, I, I kind of summed up um a bit what I love about this movie. I I love the aesthetics of it, I love the style of it, but there's also this um kind of emotional core that really does stick with me through you know, the the very fine balance of tones in this movie. I love how self-serious it is, but also how much it takes itself not very seriously and knows how to just be silly and have fun, but also be very emotional. And yeah, I love it all. Love it all. Can't wait to see if there's going to be a John Wick 5. Um, why, do you, why do you say that? I mean, they've already greenlit it. Why do you think it's not going to happen? I... I I don't know. Like it's just, literally already in production. Like they're, it's yeah. 
I don't know, it's, well, with the way the fourth one happens, I was just so convinced that that was going to be the last one. And then they're like, oh, actually, there's going to be a fifth one. I'm like, all right, well, uh, I will believe it when I see it, but okay, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. years time. We'll see. Very excited to see who they're going to cast for it, because I, I already raved about the cast of this movie, but the John Wick movies are consistently some of the most well-cast movies i wonder i wonder if it'll have keanu reeves in it (laughs) well i i don't know how they call it john wick that that was was a bad joke it was a bad joke was a bad joke well there's like six million john wick spinoffs that are supposed to happen at some point too and that was that was also the thing is when i saw the headline i was like are they actually just talking about a spinoff i don't care about spinoffs but okay whatever yeah I I don't know. We need to stop with the spin-offs, but whatever. <laughs> uh yeah. All right. Do you any any final takeaways from this movie? No. <laughs> I, I had I had to think about it. I was like, I mean, maybe let me really think about it. But like honestly, she really no. did think about it. You she genuinely yeah. thought about it, you know? I did. That's all I I I, I genuinely don't. I mean it looks great, but yeah. I you know It's not for you and that's fine. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, do you then want to talk about what we are covering next week? Yeah. Next week, we will be watching another movie that I deeply, deeply love. Um, I feel like I should stop saying that because why would I choose a movie? If I <laughs> Although Twilight, I didn't deeply love. I just want to talk true. about it. That's true. It's the um, exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Um, but yes, we will be talking about another one of my... It, I've been debating for a while whether this should go on my list of favorite movies of all time. Mm. Still debating. Maybe it'll make it on that list at some point. But it is Paper Moon from 1973. Um, it is a film that my entire childhood, when people learned what my name was, they were like, oh, like Tatum O'Neill. <laughs> and I was like, who's that? I'm five years old. I don't know what you're talking about. Um but yes, yeah, so I guess in that sense, I've been connected to this movie since birth. Um, but yeah, I watched this movie for the first time. Um, it had been on my list for a long time. I watched it for the first time a few years ago and was absolutely blown away by it for several reasons. It is so witty, so sharp, really well written. Um, just, yeah. Anyway, Paper Moon. That's what we'll be talking about next week from uh, 1973. Yeah, so can't wait. It should be I good because. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it'll be a good discussion because Geneva also loves it. Um, so, and Geneva also has seen it for the first time relatively recently. Yeah, just a few months ago. Yeah, I think I saw it like, what, five, five years ago, something like that. But anyway, yeah, that'll right. be next week. So great. All right. Well, join us then. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com. Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton, and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time.